This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. It's holiday time. No matter what you want to serve, either for Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate, or even for parties around the holidays, whether it's prime rib, Zupan's ham, fully cooked lobster. Oh, man. I, wanna, I want someone to do that. Yeah. Uh, it probably should be me, right? Side dishes that are really great uh, and a lot of fantastic desserts and more. Zupan's is your place. Plus, they have revamped their catering tray menu. So think catering trays. I was actually looking through these possibly for Thanksgiving. We ended up just going with a ton of great sides. But best thing is you can order online for your holiday parties and then just go to the Zupan's nearest you and pick it up. Right. And while you're there, they have a great selection of champagne and sparkling wine. Great for this time of year. Large format bottles and caviar to Mm, go with it. It goes perfectly together. Also, fresh fruit and gift baskets. So if you've got uh, maybe somebody around the office, somebody in your neighborhood you want to take care of, they can create a custom basket full of your favorite Zupan's items. Well, not only that, you can go, if you're at a loss for ideas, Zupan's, I found it's a great place just to walk around and you'll come up with appropriate ideas for Yeah. People. Yeah. I know both of us have taken advantage of the Zupans nearest us by when people, there's somebody special in our lives, or I actually did my neighborhood gifts through Zupans last yeah. year. I put together a, wasn't a Christmas thing, but a Mother's Day gift yeah. for somebody with a lot of great food items and then some other cool little stuff. I'm going there. there. I'm going there today for my wreath, Christmas wreath. wreath. Oh, fantastic. They've got those too. Enjoy that. Thank you. Three locations McAdam. Lake Grove and Burnside, and of course, always at zoopans.com. It's time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork. The podcast with your host, Chris Angeles, and Portland Radio's Court Johnson. Yes. How does that work? You did a great job on yourself over there. Yeah. I forgot to say Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. I'm Portland Radio's Court Johnson. Right. Are you, doing any, are you doing any trips on the radio? Uh, you know, <laughs> I used, we used to do these really cool cruises back in the day. Oh, man. Hank Kingsley kind of stuff. Yeah. Did, was, you, ever, did you ever watch the Larry Sanders show? Yeah, I kind of, not as, not as frequently as you did, but, yeah, um. Still my favorite show ever yeah. on TV. But, uh, d- the guy that's the man with the trips, that's you. Yeah, that's, oh, is that why I brought that up? I, it might've been. Just really quickly, we're doing three trips in the fall, uh, starting with Barcelona, our fourth trip with Jose, Chef Jose Chesa of Atala. Um, fantastic, fun trip going to great restaurants. We are also going to uh, Sicily on September 28th uh, with my dear friend Astri Ensign of Taste of Italy. Um, we did a, she helped us with our tour of uh, Florence and Tuscany this year, and we're going to Sicily for nine nights and 10 days. Um, really cool. We did a little preview of it. and uh, Yeah, if, if you follow Chris on Instagram, when you did the little preview, it was just gorgeous. I enjoyed those pictures you were posting. Yeah, we packed three days of research, three days into three days what we're going to be doing in over, nine or over 10. Nine so we were rushing around, but we still had, it was unbelievable. So what I say about Sicily is, Sicily is like going, is to, it, it's Italy. Mm-hmm. When you go to Florence and Tuscany, that feel, that's Italy, but it's Europe. Right. 
Sicily is 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 beautiful Italy. So we're doing that, and then uh, Mexico City with David Briggs and Catherine Mantarola uh, at the end of October, um, and that includes Day of the Dead. We're going to be doing some best street food, some of the high end restaurants like Quintanil and Pujol, and um, and some other fun stuff. That's a mezcal and chocolate focused trip because nice. David Briggs of Chocolato de David um, will be showing us his knowledge of mezcal and, uh, and chocolate. So those are there. Thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. Go check that out at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. All right. So today's guest uh, is actually a return guest. She was episode 61, Stacy Givens. And, uh, of Side Yard Farm. Exactly. And she's got this Kickstarter going on. So we're going to talk about the Kickstarter, and we'll talk about that a little bit here. But um, I, w- I want to mention this while I'm thinking about it. She will mention at some point, it's actually towards the end, Umi Organics. With Lola Mulholland's, Lola Mulholland's company. Exactly. Uh, and places uh, uh, where you can get it. And Zupan's is another place that you can get it. I oh. went online, checked that out. Another good reason to go over there. Exactly. Right, exactly. Fantastic. So but, uh, it was great to have Stacy back. I forgot the energy that she has with her. Yeah, no, it was, I thought, I think, we have to go back and listen to that, because I haven't done that, I don't know if you have, probably not, Nope. but I thought her energy level was was higher than I remembered it, but she's doing a lot, the reason, she has to have that energy level, right. she's, she's, got her, she's got her farm, she's got a lot of events going on, and, you know, the, the responsibilities of a farm that mm-hmm. supplies a lot of produce to chefs and consumers in the market, but she's built... A whole world around that farm yeah. uh, of events and uh, good causes and things that should happen. And now she's moving into the community-supported kitchen that uh, Kickstarter is going on now. So we encourage you to try to find that. And we may hear a little news, too, yeah. of an exciting thing happening in Portland. But listen to the podcast. Um, and that should have been revealed before the podcast actually airs. But at any rate... It was a real pleasure to have Stacy here and hear what's going on. And at the end, we encourage you to stay because she talks about the importance of Japan and her life mm-hmm. and the farmers that are struggling over there and what she's doing and her experiences over there and what Travel Portland is doing to help that along. So um, we, we always encourage listening to the end of the podcast. Um, but in this case, uh, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. We got there, too. So, Stacy Givens of the Side Yard Farm, um, enjoy. Hey, it's Court Johnson popping in here real quickly before we get to Stacy to remind you that this week is the PDX Feeds Puerto Rico event taking place all across Portland this week. If you want details on this, pdxfeedspuertorico.com is the website. All sorts of great coffee pop-ups, dinners, cocktails, and food specials as I mentioned, all across the land, including a huge party on December 7th at the Nightwood Society. Details to your heart's content, available at pdxfeedspuertorico.com. Check it out. I don't necessarily know. You know, for years I worked in marketing and advertising and the that thirst for immediate gratification by clicking and saying... Hey, I spent X here. How many clicks did I get? Yeah. Never was a factor. And yeah. you look back and you think, how long did Coke and Pepsi sell Coke and Pepsi by just buying gross rating points on, you know, broadcast advertising? Totally. And then just wait till the end of the year to see how things were instead of a one-to-one <laughs> relationship on every message. What it's did true. it do? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I guess we'll see. Yeah. So yeah. This, and this is new. Is this your first Kickstarter? Did you do a Kickstarter for? I did a Kickstarter like a handful of years ago uh, when we started the Nomadic Chef, which uh, we raised um, a small amount of money for uh, like a tricked out little trailer that we built a kitchen out of, um, mm-hmm. handcrafted tables, and basically like. They were just secret suppers, like took people out to the middle of nowhere, picked a new location and would tell them the destination, like when they bought the ticket. And uh, we did that for quite a few years. And now it's just our catering trailer. So the nomadic suppers were like crazy, insane days, like 18 hour days. Uh, here's a roll of toilet paper. You're going to be pooping out in the forest. Um, but like bringing the restaurant out into the middle of nowhere and then having to take it all back and clean it up. Was that part of the Kickstarter that you got a roll of toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) $10 and you get a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) Uh, No, but that was successful. Um, And now that we've, I mean, that was again, like a handful of years ago. So now that we've grown and we're coming up on our 10th season next year. um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, It's crazy to look back and be like, wow, 10 years flew by. What did you, uh, what's the difference between what you envisioned, where you wanted to go, and where you are 10 years later? Oh, now? wow. <clears throat> you know, I've never really thought about that, or nobody's really asked me that. That's our job, <laughs> to ask the questions that nobody else has asked. I know, I love it. And we um, don't always do that. I get accused all the time of asking the same questions. Yeah. Because we have people in the same industry, and totally lends itself to totally. some of the same ones. But Well, when I first started Sideyard, uh, it was really about just like, you know, having an urban farm that was really close to the local restaurants we were selling to and to be accessible for people to come out and volunteer and learn about urban farming. Um, and then, you know, it just grew from there. Then it's like, oh, let's let's start pop-ups. You know, before pop-ups were pop-ups, we were doing pop-ups like 10 years ago on the farm using our eggs from our chickens and our vegetables. Um, and, uh, and then let's do a kid's camp. Let's, you know, it just like grew into these things. It kind of like molded itself. Um, so I just started out going, I just want to sell produce to my buddies that have like the same food philosophies as me and I'll just still cook at restaurants and just be a chef somewhere. That was like what I thought would happen, but it took me to so many crazy, um, like levels of, I never knew that side yard could get to. Um, yeah, I feel very lucky and very fortunate that, uh, especially to the Coley neighborhood and the people that live there and my landlords. I mean, we've had three farm properties over the last 10 years and every single one of them has been amazing and trying to keep their land, you know, green for urban farmers instead of developers coming in and building those fancy condos that you see everywhere around town. Yeah. There are a lot of those. Yeah. So I guess, um, but those people are also going to fuel some of what you're doing. Totally. I mean, they do all the time every day by having me use their, you know, I'm allowed to use their land. And um, my current property that, you know, we built out about four years ago, it's our largest property. It's one acre. Um, and that's where everything happens now. So we've uh, given away one other property that we've had for six years and another urban farmer is farming that. And then our original spot, it's a quarter acre right down the street from us. Um, it now is being farmed by Public Annex which they do great work, they're a nonprofit, and they've made it all wheelchair accessible, and they call it Side Yard Annex. And we just sponsor them, and in trade, they just grow us extra vegetables that, you know, that we need, like arugula nice. and stuff like that, yeah. One of the things that strikes me about what I've seen, I obviously haven't been, I haven't followed you every step of the way, but when you, when you take a look at what you've done, it's, it's, it's all organic. Totally. You, uh, it doesn't, it obviously appears like you're not saying, how do we make a buck? Nah. And here's how to do it. It comes from, 
all right, this is where my heart is. This is what I'd like to do for people. Totally. And if we figure out how to sustain ourselves and then even grow, you've taken that and put it back into, you've invested in communities and thoughts and ideas rather than yourself. That totally. doesn't That doesn't mean that you don't want to take nice trips and, and, <laughs> and build, you know, uh, yeah. a nest egg. No, as long as I you know, could survive and have health insurance and can take care of my employees. That's all I care about. So um, I'm good. Is yeah. that something you learned after a while that this is, this is, I'm, I'm good with this. This is what I want to do. Cause it doesn't sound like you started out, you know, with the side yard farm with those objectives in place. It was, no, yeah. I was 26 years old. I'm almost 36 now. And um, again, for me, it was just like, cool, this project, I want to grow food, uh, that connection that I got from working up on the rocket rooftop uh, which is now Novarat, I never wanted to lose that connection. So, um, you know, creating that space, not just for myself, but for others to use as well. Um, and now 10 years later, be able to open up a big kitchen for people to do the same thing and have the same opportunities I had. Um, that's what it's all about. So again, it's like, I owe so much to people that invested in me and I just worked my ass off for 10 years. And built a really strong community, like a family of people in this industry in Portland, um, that we always have each other's backs. And that's what it's about, connection and people and don't burn bridges, you know, and help each other out. It's like, forget all the fucking- This isn't a city of burning bridges. No. It's building it's them. It's building bridges. We're the, the city of bridges. Part, there are a couple of bridge burners, but- <laughs> There are. You gotta build, you gotta, you gotta But we know who back. they are, you know what I mean? It's like, we all have each other's back. It's all about community, and that's what I love about Portland, but especially the Northeast Coley neighborhood and where I'm at. Do you feel that that's changing a little bit now? But you know what I want to do before we Don't get to that question? Don't even ask me that question. <laughs> no, I want to ask that question. Corp, make note of that, because if I forget, because you know I can't remember what I said 15 seconds ago. Yeah. Let's get to that question. But what I want to do is back up a little bit, because we've been talking about what you're doing now in your Kickstarter and yeah. Community Supported Kitchen. Why don't you explain what that is? Because sure. we really haven't done that. We've just touched on... <clears throat> Yeah, uh, the basic idea of premise of building a, um, you know, a community through food. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, we're coming up on 10 years and we're really excited. So why not start another project? And um, so, yeah, we're opening up a community supported kitchen, a CSK. And uh, I've been having my eye on 42nd Avenue for like five years, like waiting for the perfect space to open up. Um, the location was key for us because I wanted it to be, you know, less than a quarter mile from the farm. That was super important. Uh, so when the old Delfino's Bakery um, was released and they had space available, I jumped on that right away. I'm like, how can I get in there? What is this going to be? So it's, it's actually going to be a really cool um, space um, for other food artisans. There's a restaurant going in, but I can't talk about it. And uh, Oh, you, no one's listening. Yeah, right. You'll, you guys will all hear about it soon and who it is, and you'll all be very excited about who it is because I'm very excited as when well. Is that, when is that information? That should be can... announced any day now. So well, you can, we, One of the things we've learned, Court and I have learned doing this podcast, we have to tell our guests if it's coming, you know, this isn't live. I know. Right, so yeah. this is, what, next week? Next week? Yeah, next week. So, I mean, if you know something that is going to be somewhere else, between now and then, you're welcome to tell us because then it's kind of awkward to have this released and now we're talking about That's true. Yeah, okay. Well, she's coming out with it, I'm pretty sure today, um, or Eater is, but uh, it's Maya Lovelace. From oh, that's where she's going to be. That's where she's going to be. Oh, okay. We love that. Yeah, yeah. So, she Court, let's, let's run this tomorrow. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, now. Um, 
yeah, so we're really excited to have her uh, in the building. And, you know, she's been in the Coley now for a few years. Um, and she's great. So she'll be our neighbor. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. That's going to draw a lot of energy to the so building. So much, so much. So uh, she's definitely a key player there. Um, we are hoping for a green grocer to go in. Um, there's been weekly community meetings about this green grocer. Um, and I really hope it happens, uh, you know. I'm totally on board with it and helping with like the planning and there's about 10 of us that are involved with this. So it's still up in the air. It's going to take a lot of work as well and help from the community. But um, the landlord's really cool and kind of like giving, giving us more time to see if it will happen. So the lease is, has the lease been signed? Have you signed a lease? It's, or are you it's generating the funds so you can <laughs> sign a lease? No, it's, it's basically signed. On paper, it's not, but it is signed. The that's landlord. The same, that's kind of the same answer Maya gave us. So, okay. And now we, well, it's because the landlord is just getting it all together. She doesn't live. She lives up in like northern Washington. Mm -hmm. She's a lovely person. And um, it's a done deal. I mean, I already sent, you know, a check to the architect, Rose's Restaurant Equipment. I mean, it's a done deal. Okay. okay. I'm not worried at all. And by the way, thank you for understanding the nature of podcast release dates. Of course. Because you know, we recently had to, yeah. We'll, we'll sign an NDR in case you need yeah, that's, okay. this too. Yeah, and that's important. Yeah. That we're not out to beat Eater on a on a, oh, I know. Uh, on a news story or, or Michael Russell. That's not what we do. Totally. But, but we want to celebrate everybody that's in the building, exactly. and it's great news, and this is a way to get it out. Right. So, um, And yeah. some people won't, won't, will not have known that. No. Right? They right? may not read Eater. Yeah, maybe they can't read. Exactly. Yeah, maybe. Well. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just can't. Just saying. So we're doing everybody, if I think, a favor. Think about it. Uh, it's, it's true. It's, yeah. so, it's so true. That's what we're These here. Days, we're here to help. In a very I had a three-year-old that couldn't read, and she See? would have loved to have known. So now she'll know the news and flip out because there's fried <laughs> chicken in the building. That's, so, that's fantastic. There you go. Um, and then, yeah, retail space. And then my friend Dylan, who's the lead baker over at Little T, he is starting his own venture, which is Union Yeast and Grain. And we're going to be right next door to each other. He's um, building out a production kitchen. So we're really excited. And I've never heard the word used, uh, used in a restaurant name before or anything, a business name. Yeast. Oh, Union Yeast and Grain. Yeah, Union yeah. Yeast and Grain. It's That's pretty the first clever. time I've ever heard the word used. Have yeah. You, you ever heard that before? I haven't. I like it, though. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you're not going to be confused about what it is, right? No, yeast not at all. But there was like probably. the there was like the hipster um, <laughs> name nameathon app that they had a few years ago. Everything was something and something else. Oh, really? So it's very yeah. Well, he's a hip guy. Yeah, I um, would imagine so. Yeah. You're, all of you in your plaid shirts. Oh yeah. Do you call this plaid? No, this Dude, isn't really plaid. That's not plaid. This no. is plaid. This is straight off, straight from Japan, man. Oh well, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. But I want to hear how J plaid <laughs> is Japan, how plaid and Japan work together. Yeah. I didn't know that. Works for me. Yeah. Uh, Good. But uh, yeah, but the space is um, it's gonna be great. So yeah, we have twenty four hundred square feet in this thirteen thousand square foot building, and um, that's a big building. It's a big building. Yeah. So um, yeah, and we're excited to have a large space uh, in order to build out an efficient, accessible kitchen to a bunch of different people, um, caterers, food carts pop-up chefs, um, low-income families that have food businesses as well. Um, we want everybody to work together. And one other important aspect, uh, for me anyways, is I left restaurants maybe, I don't know, six years ago is when we started our catering company. So you know how it is. You work in a restaurant, that's your family. You spend more time with them when you do, you know, than your own family. And I want to create a place where it's like we're all family. and you Because, you know, I, there are times where you're just working with one other person or by yourself when you are your own business owner. And 
to kind of get that back and get that family feeling back and um, just to have a community. Um, I, yeah, I just want to create a really awesome space. We have uh, chef's book library. Um, I'm going to make sure there's two dish pits because I don't want to waste anybody's time because I know from working in commissaries myself over the years that you're always rushing to get out of there. You book a certain amount of space and then you don't have that much money and you're like, fuck, I have to do like all these dishes now and now I got to book another hour. Um, so I'm being really intentional about how I'm building out the space, what equipment's going to be there. Um, there's going to be like a little lounge area, like area kind of office for chefs. So if they need to print something out or just sit for a freaking second, you know, because we never get to sit and just sit you know, um, I'm just being really intentional about like, what would I want? And um, other people that I've talked to, I've interviewed a lot of my friends in the industry. I'm like, yo, what would you want in a commissary space? So um, yeah, um, there'll be different uh, pay scales for people like the pop-up chef, the entrepreneur, the, the full-timer, the part-timer. Um, and then again, for like low-income families, having a few slots open for them as well. And as I what mentioned- about food carts? Food carts, totally. Yeah, yeah, we got them too. So um, we're really excited though that it is down the street from the farm because I want people to experience what I've you know gotten the chance to for 10 years, right? Having a kitchen on the farm, being so close to you know growing my food, bringing it into the kitchen and executing it and bringing it to people on their plate um, while being on the farm. So for example, pop-up chefs that use our space, um, they'll also get a chance to use Cider Farm space for a pop-up. Um, like for practice and you know like I remember my first time ever doing it it's, it's like really really scary <laughs> and you hope that people are going to buy tickets um, but it, it will just bring people closer to their food and make them appreciate how much goes into farming I collaborate with a lot of chefs for our farm supper series every year have them out to the farm they'll bring their crew I'm like oh yeah guys we need to harvest everything too oh yeah yeah okay and uh You'd be surprised, man. Some people are really into it and they love it. And other people are like, man, this is hard work and it's 100 degrees outside and this is insane. But by the end of it, they're using every part of that plant and they're respecting the produce just the same way you would with meat, right? You're going to use that whole animal, not waste anything, use a scrap meat to make sausage, whatever. That's how we look at plants, whole plant cooking. That's what we do at the farm. So I want to be able to give that to other people as well and give them that knowledge and the opportunity to come to the farm, volunteer, use our space. Um, so yeah, that was a key element, location. And so uh, had you been looking long? Did yeah, it like five years. Five years. I've just been and waiting then like, <laughs> and then something would pop up, i check it out and be like, no, it's not big enough or it just, no, it doesn't feel right or not the right landlord, you know? But so what came first, the Stacy or the Maya? Oh, the Stacy. The Stacy. Yeah, paper. I found Did out about this space like in June of this year mm -hmm. <clears throat> and just been on it ever since and uh, been planning it. Yeah, since June. So um, and then Maya got wind of it a few months back and uh, we've been in like we've run into each other at events and stuff and uh, we've we've talked a little bit and been emailing back and forth. But uh yeah. Hey, you both have to be excited. You're both energetic, excitable people. Yeah, we're both freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a better word. Freaking out. Freaking out. So um, you're doing a Kickstarter. Yeah. And what kind of things can people... I, I was looking at it last yeah. night. There's some really cool things. Some, yes. From private dinners to farm dinners yeah. to right down to like a thank you. Totally. Yeah, we'll give you a hug if you want for a dollar. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of catering options. Um, 
I feel like why not why not give the gift of what we do best, right? And there's even one for this year, 2017 holiday party uh, for anybody that's interested out there. But um, yeah, catering options. What's the, what's the what's the entry point for that holiday party? The holiday party one, I believe, I think is like three grand. I think. I'd have to look at and the Kickstarter. how many people is that? Yeah, you may, but people can go look and see. But I think it's like up to 20 people. Yeah, you guys go check it out and see. I'm sorry, my mind party. is like so You know what it's great right is that a lot of people have already planned their holiday parties. Yeah, yeah. And they're looking and you can't find anything. No, but guess Here, what? Here's where you can help people. There's, there's a couple spots available. You got to contact me right now. Check out our Kickstarter. Uh, we also have other rewards like simple stuff like a tote bag or get your name woodburned on the wall in the kitchen. Um cooking classes uh, with my friend Kumi from Ruchikala. She's amazing. And uh, we did a cooking... She's also... You can, you can Google... We, we have to find an index situation I just heard from somebody on Right at the Fork. Mm-hmm. But Kumi's been on yeah. the podcast, so yeah. you can Google, Google her. Yeah, she's a too. dear friend of mine, and uh, she's amazing. Love her. And, uh, and Chardelle's a good... We're going to have her on the podcast. What? I promised her we're going to have That's her my on girl. the podcast. Yes. Yeah, Chardelle at, at Red Sauce Pizza. Yeah. She's going to be on soon. Yeah, we sell so much produce to them. And they're, yeah, they're like right down the street from us. And uh, she's actually hosting a fundraiser for us uh, coming up next week, which is great. 20%, 20% of her sales are going to our, um, our CSK. So... Oh, great. So yeah. based on margins, she's, she's out of pocket on that. <laughs> yeah so um but yeah kumi's offering a cooking class we did one um this year that sold out really fast and uh, she's just such a wonderful teacher and her food is like out of this world so uh that's one of the rewards and um can i tell you a little story because i haven't had kumi in my last interaction with kumi was the most embarrassing thing oh no ever for you or for her for me oh god and right there so we were out at arcadia Beach State Park with my son and my dog. Like, I'm always out there with my dog. And um, the sunset was incredible. And I'm taking these great shots of Oakley. And the sun was, there's a limit. I'm pretty used to sunsets and I know how much time is left. And so I have a shot I want to get over by the big rocks at Arcadia. And I go over there and I'm shooting. And this was seriously out of character for me, but I didn't give a shit because I really wanted this shot. It yeah. was important. I mean, that's my kind of hobby sort of, it's not really a profession, yeah. but I, it's what I really like doing. So I'm shooting and there's a woman talking to me from kind of a distance. I totally ignored her. <gasps> just didn't even pay. I was like, fuck it. I want to take these shot. pictures. Yeah. And I just like was not going to stop because I know if you, me, if I start talking to someone. But she was saying mo- your name? I didn't hear her say my name. Okay. I heard her just talking. That would be rude. Yes, of course. Yeah. But I heard, but I was rude. She was just talking. She was saying something to me. I completely <laughs> kept walking and walked by her. Later, my son comes over and he says, I think she knew you. I think that woman that was trying to talk to you, I said, I know. I wanted to get the shot. He said, she knew you. Oh, man. She said your name, which is oh, what you just said. Man. I said, I didn't hear that. So anyway, I later saw her pictures out there on Instagram, and I realized who it was, and I contacted her. Okay, and said, I'm it. just horrified. You contacted her. But okay. I, was, I was like... No, this is the big reveal right yeah. now. She's like, ta-da, <laughs> yeah. it was me. No, I, but I was really a dick. I hope that shot was worth it. It was, and I'll tell you what, I knew at that moment, I'm saying, yeah. I'm being a, a bigger dick than yeah. I'm usually capable totally. of being. And I, 
I hope you blew that picture up and it's on your wall in a perfect frame. <laughs> it's not there. And I should up. have one of her, but I yeah. felt really, really bad. And she was very gracious. <laughs> Don't worry. You want to get the picture. But I knew she was probably going, what a... What a dick. Yeah, but I swear I didn't know it was her. <laughs> I was being a dick to somebody I didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, I've run into plenty of insane people on the beach. Yeah. Because I live out there. Sure. And a lot of conversations I wish I wasn't in, and it's not that easy to get out of them because you're sitting in this open space. Yeah, there's nowhere to run. Not that th- my brain went through all of that, yeah. but it was like, I just don't feel like having a conversation. Yeah. Right now. Okay, I'm is sure that enough understood. for this? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just hoping for some uh, valid validation that I'm not so bad. No, you're not. You're not a bad guy. Oh, yeah. Well, but, for that, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, um, but our Kickstarter, though, we do have, um, um, we're like halfway there with half the time to go on our Kickstarter. Okay. What so, are you trying to raise? How much? 50K. 50K. Yeah. This is going to cost me a lot of money and I'm doing it all by myself and it's going to be about $175,000. And if... With Kickstarter, if you don't get your 50K, if you don't hit it, you don't get any of it. Exactly. So So why would you do that versus Indiegogo? You know, I looked into all of them and it just seems like Kickstarter has a bigger audience um, and more people go to Kickstarter. So even if they don't find me through Facebook or another outlet, they, you know, people do cruise around to spend money and like donate to causes and Kickstarter um, just had more site visits. So that's kind of what it came down to. But it's an interesting risk. I would imagine when you're making that decision, I've seen, Man. I saw like Blackbird when they opened. Yep. She went from, um, she moved everybody from Kickstarter to Indiegogo when she realized she wasn't going to hit oh, how funny. the number. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm nervous every day. I check it every day. And you have your slow days and you have really good days. And I was a little weary around, oh, it's, um, it's the holiday season. It's like Thanksgiving weekend's going to be very slow. But then again, people might be very giving. And a lot of rewards we have um, could be great gifts for people, like gift certificates for farm brunch or supper or cooking class. So that, and I'm ending it right before Christmas. Um, so like again, it gives people a chance to buy gifts um, and to just get in the spirit of giving and helping out the community so that we could incubate entrepreneurs um, and their food businesses. I think it's a very noble thing that you're doing and that other people can indirectly do as well. Totally. I feel like I we're, mean, we're trying to help. Yeah, right? you guys are helping me right now. Well, we I hope. appreciate it. We hope. Yeah. So we want people to go to, so how do they find your Kickstarter? What do they look for? So they could go either to my Facebook, Cider Farm Facebook, or my Instagram handle. Um, they could go to the Side Yard Farm website, which is www.sideyardpdx.com, um, or you just do a Google search. Um, just look up Community Supported Kitchen, Side Yard Farm Kickstarter, and there it is. Cool. Yeah. All right. So you just came back from Japan. Yeah. Not long ago. A couple weeks ago. What were we supposed to get back to? I forgot. I didn't mark what the question was because <laughs> you didn't ask it, but I said, I've got it right here. Okay, Stacy, come on, guest. Question. You, oh, you do? I just wrote Chris' question. You did not tell us what the question <laughs> really was. You didn't ask the here. question. <laughs> really good It wasn't triggered enough. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's go to Japan then. Okay. Hell, when, when in doubt, go to Japan. Exactly. Um, yeah, I got back a couple weeks ago. Um, it was our fifth annual seed to plate tour in Japan. We always go uh, right around Halloween. We leave on Halloween. And we're there for two weeks, and uh, we get to meet farmers, ranchers, um, food artisans of all kinds. What interested you <laughs> initially about farmers in Japan? Uh, funny story. Uh, well, there's there's a young woman about a handful of years ago uh, from Tokyo who's a photographer, and she was interested in uh, photographing queer woman farmers. So she came to Portland and found me, 
And I was like, well, I'm queer, I'm a woman, and I have a farm. So we hit it off, and it was mostly just for her, like, her own work and, like, a zine she was putting together. But she decided to get together with a writer, and it got picked up by uh, some publication in Tokyo. And then they gave us, like, the eight-page spread, like, right in the middle. And then it just took off from there. I started getting visitors all the time. I started farm. Farmers coming to see me. And you got some coverage on TV. What TV show were you on? Japanese TV or like no, here? TV. Oh. No, that's when I first saw you. I went on Chopped. Yeah, yeah. Chopped. But weren't you on something before that? Um, well, I went on, on like Chopped eight? twice. Where okay. I won, I won once, and then the second time for championships. No, I saw so you good. before that, where they did a tour of the farm. I don't oh. remember what it was. Dude, I can't. Let me think. Oh, that's cool that you can't remember that it was. Oh, now I feel like so, I sound like a jerk. No, not at all. Um, I can't remember. No, I. Uh, I mean, a lot of people come out from you know like travel TV or like. Um, like the NRCS, you know, for farmers to, you know, video record, like, something, you know. But I don't remember. I was like, oh, this is in my backyard, and I didn't know about it. So that was oh, the first cool. time I was exposed oh, to it. Maybe cooking up a story or something. Yeah. They're really great. Um, yeah. I don't remember watching that, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, We'll yeah. look forward to seeing you on the new Iron Chef Challenge. Yeah, right. right. I think I'm done with competing. I'm not going anywhere. I think for the next few years, I'm going to be stuck at that kitchen. I'm going to be managing that new kitchen. Are you kidding? Mm. And farming and selling produce to 20 and, restaurants and, and doing pop-ups. And another trip. Yeah. It's like once, once spring hits, it's 80 hours a week. This is my hibernation time. I have like two more months before I start seeding up trays and uh, gearing up for the next season. So, not to mention a build out. Not to, we'll get, I'll remember this to get back to Japan, but this has been you're not stopping. No. And you're so busy. <laughs> yeah. And you let's let's count the ways. You're a small business owner. You're queer. You're um, a woman. You are in a liberal city. Yep. It's been a tough year yes. for you. Oh yeah. To con- to focus. Are you able to <clears throat> to um tune that out and just keep going? It's it's hard not to um honestly when all the election stuff happened and trump happened it it really struck a chord with me because you know, but it keeps happening it's it keeps, the gift that keeps on giving how the hell is this guy still in office why it's, are you calling it a gift yeah, well, I know. It's, <laughs> yeah it's uh it really like struck herpes. a chord <laughs> yeah it is and everybody's getting it and it sucks but <laughs> is there a cure but yeah it, it struck a chord for me um you know my mom is from greece as you remember from last time i was here and just being part of an immigrant family um, and growing up Greek, uh, it really struck a chord with me. And we started a supper series this summer. I'm like, how could I help? There has to be, you know, I am really busy, but what could the food industry do to, you know, help, you know, fight this thing? And, you know, to keep Portland, you know, liberal and everybody's equal and all lives matter. So uh, we started a supper series called Refugees Welcome. And, um, replaced that's, our farm that's supper a beautiful series thing i think that's a really beautiful way to do it oh man it it's been awesome we did it this past summer and uh same way we do our farm suppers you know 30 to 40 people one long table family style about four to five courses uh give them a farm tour people get to be out on the farm and i work with the refugee care collective in selecting the families that we work with um so uh like iraqi families they're from iran afghanistan um and it's awesome. They come to the farm. They bring their kids if they have kids. And we talk about menu. And English is challenging with some of the families. But um, usually the husband or wife, like one of them could kind of speak English. And they basically just tell me like what they eat at home. You know, their favorite things, like what they grew up with. 
And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to, hopefully I do you justice. Like I'm going to just do a farmy take on your food. Can they just mention a, a dish and you can Google the re- a recipe for I that do dish? that as well, but some of them want to be more involved. They're like, oh, let me go to the store, to my international store and get you this one ingredient that you won't be able to find. I'm like, no, I'll go get it. No, no, no. I want to be part of this. I want to bring it to you. And did, So do they cook with you too? Th- some of them have. Um, and, and again, bringing me ingredients or any type of like, uh, I don't know, like I didn't have the like shish kebab, like big swords, you know? And uh, for one of the dinners, for the Iraqi dinner, so they brought their whole like kit from home. And they were very impressed that I was able to keep the meat on. There's a technique to it, you know? And uh, I watched a YouTube video. And, uh, and I totally did it right. And the family was so proud. But I just told them, like, I hope I do you guys justice. Like, come to the dinner. Talk about your story to everybody if you want. Like, we're here to welcome you to our family, to our country. And uh, we get to hear their struggles um, and just make them really feel welcome. That's what it's about. And... Uh, yeah, so we just do a farmy fancy take on it and uh, and send them home with all the food. And then um, we give a percentage to the Refugee Care Collective and to the families. So we really don't make money on them, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as I don't lose money, I don't care. And it's bringing awareness uh, to refugees and mm. um, to welcome them into our city. So we're going to continue them next year for sure. Great. You have a lot of different things going on. Yeah, yeah. We, and how are you as a business person? I think I'm pretty chill. Okay. I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty good boss. I think like my employees really like me. I have a great bookkeeper that keeps me on track okay, with my money. Ask, oh yeah. Bookkeeper's been with me from day one. She's great. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And my employees are awesome. I really try to take care of them and treat them like family. If I notice they haven't eaten and they're halfway through the day, like farming and I'm like, I make them breakfast. I go run up the street to Ms. Zoomstein's to get them coffee and snacks like almost every single day. So that's really important to me. I, I've been working on boundaries and balancing my life out. Yes, I work a lot, but um, you have to make time for those people and to make them feel special because um, then those people will stay with you and they're your family. So uh, so when you're making time for yourself, what is the other thing that you're doing that has nothing to do with food? Is there <laughs> anything that you do? That- you know, I like going to batting cages sometimes to get out some aggression and stress <laughs> and... Um, and I, I used to play softball for a long time, so it kind of just feels familiar and something I used to do with my dad. And uh, I go to the coast a lot and like just taking day trips and going out there even solo, like by myself and just hanging out. So softball, what position did you play? Uh, shortstop and catcher. Wow. Those are two very different positions. I know. I play. I was a catcher. Really? There's no way I could have been a shortstop. I just didn't really? have the, well, I didn't have the moves. Yeah, well, know? it's all about like, you know. And the speed, right? Shortstop yeah, is you gotta fast. Have speed. You got to have speed. Yeah. That's, that's the way to beat me in tennis. Get me to run. Other than that, <laughs> if you, if I can do pretty well if I don't have to run. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, but do you still play? You play in a league or anything? I don't. You don't have time? You know, I don't have time. Every year I always say, hey, why don't we start like our own like. Or sponsor one. At yeah. least you can be Sponsor involved. one or like, you know, or I thought about starting an urban farm like league, how cool that would be. But I just, you know, I go out with friends sometimes. Like we'll go like, I still have my mitts and like bats and we go like hit the ball and you know, pretend like we're still like 18 or 20 and like until we pull a muscle right away as soon as we start playing, you know, stuff like I that. Did, I <laughs> played in a charity softball tournament um, long ago before I did one of my cross-country trips. Yeah. The day before I was leaving for a 14,000-mile drive. 
pulled a hamstring. No. That was unbelievable. So oh, the older man. you get, the tougher. Oh. I never had a hamstring issue when yeah. I was a kid. It, see, then, it doesn't matter, man. Yeah, I'm learning this. I'm 30, I'm almost 36, but like, I think just because I work so much and I'm working so many different muscles, like I'm farming and that's one thing, but then I'm in the kitchen on my feet all the time. That's another thing. Um, and then sitting in an office a lot in front of a computer. You think you can sustain this to uh, like my age? No. Yeah. So that's what, that's, I feel like this new kitchen is like really going to save my life. That's, I really thought this through. Um, I, I knew this five years ago when I was looking for space. So I'm like, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And if anything, you know, the catering, the catering part of it could kind of phase out. I mean, that's what help has helped funded the farm, you know, all these years. But, you know, we host a lot more things at the farm now. It's like, come have an urban farm wedding. We do a lot of those 50, 60 people. Um, like I noticed staying like, you know, like staying home is so much easier than like an away game, like doing a wedding out in Astoria or something for 300 people. It's like, well, just come to us and let's keep it small and intimate. We do that well. And uh, so we're kind of shifting, you know, how we're doing things. So I'm st I still have a few weddings booked for next year, of course, and still going to continue that uh, for a little bit, but it's going to be more of like, let's get smaller and intimate with our, our weddings and have more things at the farm and hire more people and... Take it easy. So I have to do this, but you were on with us a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's episode number 61, I believe. So we're at 140-something now, 142, 43. Wow. So that doesn't include all our Gary stuff. That's just <laughs> interviews. But um, as best as I can recall, you have a lot more confidence now than you did then. I may be wrong. Oh, wow. But just my perception now is that you've... You got everything figured out. Uh, any question I ask you, you have an answer for yeah. it. So I, do you did, feel like you've grown in the last yes. couple of years? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get emotional now. <laughs> yeah, I, I really feel like I have. I've done a lot of reflecting on a lot how to do with losing my dad about six years ago. So. And you talked about that, I know. Yeah, I'm sure I did. One. I'm probably sure I cried there too. But yeah, he was, he was like, you know, he was my best friend. He was my everything. He's a really good guy. And uh after he died, I dove into work. That's like when I started the catering company and uh, started working 80 hours a week and got another property and just kept going, going, going and wasn't feeling anything, you know? Like I pushed my grief down and didn't realize I was doing that. I even started a grief group called The Lost Table. We still do it, you know? We do it quarterly um, and invite people out to bring a dish and talk about their lost loved ones. And, you know, there I am talking in the grief group and, you know, think I'm doing the work, but... When I'm doing all those other hours, you know, and all those days is not actually doing the work. I wasn't. And I was trying to make them proud and just go, go, go until I realized I'm like ruining relationships. And I might have built something really great and it was fueled by my grief and, you know, by my father's passing. But at the same time, I lost myself. And so do you feel like maybe the difference that yeah, in the last couple of years I've, you got yourself I've back? Seen, yeah, I've seen what I've done. I've got myself back. I'm trying to get back on track, and I feel like I'm almost there. I've got a great support system, you know, just really good people in this industry, and then my core group of friends that aren't in the, in the, in the industry, and great family. So I just feel like I took the blinders off and woke up, and I'm like, what the fuck? I can it's see it. It's been six years, and it's, he's it's gone. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, uh, but it's, it's been pretty lonely, honestly. I spent a lot of time by myself because I am forcing myself to, to get through this and, uh, you know, to come out at the end, like knowing who I am again and getting my life back. So this kitchen has everything to do with that. 
So. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. So what'd you have for <laughs> breakfast this morning? Oh man, really? Okay, I had a um, a bagel with cream cheese. One of them had cream cheese on one side, and the other side had ground cherry jam left over from uh, the last harvest. Ground cherry jam? Yeah, I oh, love ground that cherries. Good. So good. And then two little chicken apple sausages, and a glass of orange juice and some tea. That, that was my breakfast. Pretty, that sounds great. Yeah, it's not bad. So are you always having something good? Or are you ever <laughs> like rushing and it's just something you really know you shouldn't be eating? Oh, dude. I ask because that's, you know, half oh. of what I'm eating. And I don't, and I'm not as busy as you are. Dude, I eat like shit. I eat like shit. I eat like I'm five years old. I like pizza, tacos, happy hour food. Uh, mac and cheese is like my jam. What's the most embarrassing thing that you will admit to eating? Oh, right my God. Now? Um... <laughs> Let me think about that. I'd have to say like quesadillas are my favorite food, and I could eat that every day. Okay, and it'd be like midnight. I'm not even drunk. I'll like. That's not even that embarrassing. That's not even that embarrassing. I, I honestly, there's nothing that's embarrassing that I think that I eat. It just, it's not healthy. Like I have a whole field of vegetables right there in front of me, and, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna make this like really cheesy, yummy, bready thing, and I make the wrong food choices for sure. Yeah, but you're in a position, if the bar is, is where it is, and the worst thing you, you can mention <laughs> is a quesadilla, I think you're in good shape. Okay, good. Yeah, I think yeah. that's good. But no, for breakfast, like the first meal of the day, I always try to be intentional and like, you know, I don't want to just have to go down and take a nap or something. I want to, I have to keep going. I eat small things throughout the day, so I guess I'm pretty good. That's the best way to eat. Yeah, but before, like working in kitchens or I have long catering days, I mean, you don't eat at all. And then by the time it's one in the morning and you're doing dishes is when you're like, everybody, let's order pizza. Or like you just scarf down on stuff and then you have some whiskey and it's not very healthy. So that's the stuff I'm trying to change in my life, I guess, um, is eat small meals through the day and maybe drink some water because I don't. I'm trying. They have apps for that. I don't, are you very tuned to your phone? You know, not really. Okay. Like, but that's one of to... the valuable things. You can have it. Tell you, hey, remind you to have a drink of water. No way. Yeah. Okay. See, my dad used to be my reminder. Like, hey, babe, you drink water today? I'm like, you know, I haven't. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to look into that because I don't drink enough water yeah, at all. Yeah, a few of them. You just have to figure out yeah. at what annoying level you're you're willing yeah. to tolerate it. Yeah. And, like, and, and, and I feel it, too, because when I drink a lot of water, I feel great. It's yeah. like we are like plants, man. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm the worst. Yeah. And I, when I, I, I had a year. Yeah. When I think I had the app and I was doing really well yeah. and I felt so much better. Isn't that crazy? And yeah. um, I'm still bad. I tell there isn't a day yeah. that I don't tell myself, let's do better tomorrow. Yeah. And I say that every day. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So, um, but you, do you, is your work your exercise? Yes, it is. Um, this past season, I kind of took took a step back a little bit from the farm and I had a really good crew this year. Darren and Heather kicked ass and we had, we always have volunteers coming through the farm every week. We have about 300 people on our volunteer list that we just take five of them every week and we give them vegetables in exchange for their time. And um, I told them from the beginning of the season, look, I'm still healing. I had pneumonia all winter and my adrenal fatigue is a real thing, man. So I'm not going to push myself because all the other years I just keep going until I just can't go anymore. And people don't know that during the wintertime hits, I just hide out. And nobody knows I'm actually just trying to heal myself back to like health. <laughs> so I took it easy this year, but yeah, usually the farm, 
is uh is my exercise especially from my upper body i know you're looking at these guns and you're like wow looking at the guns Huge. and i'm looking at Huge. some ink on your right arm there what do, you, what do you have on that what oh just have? all uh all vegetables mostly yeah that's very nice that's something that's not going to go out of style for you <laughs> no and then if it's stuff that we grow too so if somebody's like what's a breakfast radish i'm like right there that's a that's right that's great it, it helps for sales well, yeah the chefs we sell you've to. Got, yeah, you've <laughs> got um, you've got multiple reasons for yeah. having what you have there. Totally. I asked a young barber once who was 21 years old, who was cutting my hair, who had scissors and combs and everything. I just, it was great. I posed the question. I said, do you think you're going to be doing that your whole life? And he said, absolutely, I'm going to be doing this. I said, has it ever dawned on you that something else may come your way? And if it does... You have all that stuff on. And he looked at me as though I was nuts. Yeah. And it's like, you're crazy, man. Yeah. Cutting hair is for life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just know that I've changed careers a few times. And, and yeah. especially in this world, you're, you're weaving, yep. bobbing and weaving a lot. <laughs> um, so I was just curious about that. But yeah. I think those are beautiful. Thank you. Or what I see. Yeah, they're pretty old. They're, they're about six or seven years old. Or they should probably get touched up because I'm always in the sun. At the farm. And you decided not to do your left arm or you just saved in that? I have some up here. There was something I was working on for my dad. I just, you know, again, I work so much and then I'm in the sun a lot. You have to get it at the right time and in the winter time, but there's no time. I feel like winter's already gone for me. It's like with planning this Kickstarter, then the build out and then planning next season. I'm last thing I want to do is. And I don't see you around doing events too much. Not in the winter, just in the summer, like. The summer what, what is What events packed. do you do? I mean, I go to quite a few events. I don't think I've ever seen you at a table. Oh, like those type of events. Yeah, those. I, I get invited to do like the Culinary Breeding Network's Variety Showcase every year for the last mm-hmm. few years, which is one of my favorite things to do. But that's um, very categorically specific for you. It's not it just, is. hey, here yeah. you're cooking at this event for yeah. charity. And, no, we've done Bite of Oregon, um, um, you know, gone on stage and done the whole thing. Um, we've done different things over the years. It's just, we're so busy in the summer. I, I always have to say no, cause we start booking up our summer now for like catering. And then we do the same thing we do every year, which has been working for us. We do like one bike and movie night, one brunch, one supper, one cooking class. And those have to happen usually on like, you know, the weekends, except for bike and movie night is the second Wednesday of every month. And, um, and then weddings usually happen on the weekends or private events. So, and then we farm three days out of the week and harvest two days out of this week and sell to 20 restaurants. And then we have the grief group. So do you have to just, do you have to sell at all? Or do you, does this, all this come to you by referrals? It's like usually the referrals. Catering, the catering Catering's job. definitely uh, word of mouth or weddings that we've catered already or people that come to brunch, they happen to be getting so married. Explain this to me. Yeah. In this town of Portland, Oregon, which is not the size of San Francisco or no. Seattle, all the people doing catering and private events, they're very booked. Yes. Are, there are there that many people who aren't just going out to yes the answer is yes the answer you're, is you're yes. nodding yes but it's incredible yeah that there's so much out yeah. there yeah people want to celebrate things and it's not just weddings there's corporate events all the time that we do we work with EcoTrust and we're on their list as caterers and we work with them a lot mm-hmm. um, yeah man there's always something to cater so uh, we've been having to turn down a lot though lately just because you know summer's getting booked out and again we like I really try to be intentional about in what we do in the summer and use my time wisely. And then I do, you know, donate our time to like fundraisers. We do like two to three a year uh, where we just donate our time um, or our vegetables. So I don't like to say yes to everything right, 
right away because I want to leave those windows open to people that might need it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so are you um, growing anything that's new to you that you're excited about? Well, every time I go to Japan, there's something new that I freak out about and I get seeds. Like I just shipped all my seeds back and they just came to me in the mail in like seven different little packages. And uh, I opened them up the other morning. And I was like, oh my God, they're here. Uh, but they have some cool stuff. Um, one of my favorites uh, recently was this season was the Honona turnip, which is from the Shiga region that we were at uh, last year. And it's like this long slender turnip that's half white and half uh, purple. These beautiful dark green leaves that you could eat the leaves too. Um, I was obsessed with those. So <laughs> they're beautiful. Uh, we grow a lot of Shingiku, um, which is chrysanthemum, but uh, that's grown a lot in Japan, and I love it when it flowers. I love when a lot of things bolt and flower. I love the imperfections of plants and using the whole part of the plant from its micro little stage to the teenage stage to the full-grown stage to the bolted stage, seeds, edible seeds, because um, you don't know until you try it. People, you know, go, oh, bolted, let me, you know, put this in the compost or give it to the chickens. And I'm like, no, that's like the best part of it. So, um, yeah, we're super resourceful at the farm. I mean, use every part of the plant. And we're, we are working on a cookbook, actually, right now amongst everything. We've been working on it for a year. And um, it's going to be called Seed to Plate. And it is about whole plant cooking. Um, so we're really excited about that. But we are taking our time with that because of everything else that's going on. When do you think that's going to be released? <laughs> Dude, we're still like, we are just wrapping up the proposal right now. So, oh, so you haven't photographed it. We did a lot of it. we did a lot of that this summer. Who's shooting it? Um, Sean Linehan. Um, oh, great! I'm sure oh, you yes. know Sean. Yeah, I know Sean. Yeah, and she's been with us twice to Japan the last couple of years. And uh, Lola Holland of Umi Organics is actually writing it. Oh, great! Yeah, she's a great writer. I met her years ago when she uh, wrote for Edible Portland. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm so excited for her and her new venture. And she's kicking ass. And she came to Japan with us last year too. She actually was one of the people that spoke Japanese, which was very helpful. So not everybody knows what her venture is. Oh, Umi Organics? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, best ramen noodles in town. Uh, you get them at New Seasons, Whole Foods, I'm sure other places by now. She's at, um, I'm not sure which farmer's market she's at right now currently. But um, if you just look up Umi Organics, Lola Mulholland, uh, oh, she's such a wonderful person. Like, she just makes me light up every time I see her. There are a lot of wonderful people in this town. They They're are. Doing Things that are yeah. like what she's doing and what you're yeah. doing. We are so lucky to live in a town with a bunch of uh, small businesses and, and we all help each other out. That's kind of the cool thing. Do you think that's going to change? Um, you know, no, no, we're all sticking together and that's what we're all about here in Portland. It's not going to change. It's not going to change because people like me, there's so many people that don't want to see that change. No, you could go ahead and build your condos and <laughs> do all that, but that will not change. I think it's changed a little bit. Come on, man. Really? Well, just a little bit. Well, I think there's there's a little pressure, maybe not so much in your business, but yeah. in the restaurant industry, there's more pressure to succeed faster. Okay, that's true. I would never open a restaurant in this town. I, I said that from like even 10 years ago. I don't I don't want to go that route. So um, it's just it's too competitive and it's too expensive nowadays. Well, plus you get to play around a little bit and not have yeah. to be there doing your, your, you yeah. have to be where you are, but yeah. you have a little more, um, yeah. a little more control and a little less pressure yeah. on. Well, I want to still farm like physically. I want to have my hands in the dirt and I want to cook. Only way I'm like, 
physically able and mentally able to do that is not drive myself crazy and go start a restaurant or something nuts like that where I have to be there a billion hours a week. I still want to have what I have. Um, and again, creating this kitchen for people, it's, you know, yeah, that's going to take a lot of my time too, but it's right down the street from the farm. And hopefully a lot of these people that are using the kitchen are coming down to the farm with me. Um, and that's what it's all about. So again, where do people, we already told people where to find your Kickstarter in yeah. case they didn't write it down yes. then one more time. Kickstarter. You could find our Kickstarter. It's called Community Supported Kitchen uh, by the Side Yard Farm. Uh, you go to our website at the Side Yard PDX dot com um and also see all your events there yeah all our events uh right now we're in our slow season we're closed for the winter but um we start up again in april and then from there on out to like november uh we're packed with events but yeah and on instagram and facebook too you could find our find our stuff this was really nice having you back yeah man we're you're joining the pretty small list of repeat guests but oh thank you yeah certainly fun to have back yeah um thanks for having me i know we didn't get to talk about japan but it's okay well, It'll be another time. Is there a blog that, it, that there talks is a blog, about Japan that actually, people can go look at? Well, not really a blog. Like, there's been a lot of stories written up about it because we've been doing it for five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and under our tab on our website, under press, uh, you'll see some articles. And we also have a separate tab that just says Japan um, because we've been going there for so many years and working with a lot of farmers. And um, yeah, there's a lot of information on our website. So if you guys want to check it out, check out our Seed to Plate tour. Um, we love the work we're doing over in Japan and inspiring young farmers to farm um, as the older generation of farmers are starting to die off. It's just young people don't want to do it. We face that problem here in America as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a bigger crisis over there in Japan. And that's kind of how it all started was, hey, you make farming cool. Can you help us? Like, I'm not kidding. Like m- mayors from towns come see me at Cider Farm um, to tell me about their farm or to tell me about their town and how to implement urban farming. Because if you look at Japan, it is all urban farms, but how to make it profitable, how to inspire young people to make it cool and to feed their country. So that's kind of been our job. And it's been really cool to meet a lot of farmers and chefs and do dinners out there. And I always bring a Portland crew with me, you know, like another chef, another farmer. And that's not cheap to bring a Portland crew with it's you. It's not, how, how, but... How is that funded? Well, thank you, Travel Portland. Um, they sponsor us every year, and that helps us a lot. Um, in the past, Airbnb, has they've sponsored us. Um, and then just all of our friends, you know, going back to all our friends that have small businesses here in Portland, they all sponsor us. So we split up all, like, seven suitcases of ours with chocolate bars, extracto coffee, you know, wine from different winemakers. And we just pack it in there. And then we just calmly go through customs. And uh, then we set up merch tables at our events, you know, at these dinners that we do. And that, you know, that helps fun. Like we go out to eat, train tickets, all that stuff. So really people are just fronting maybe their plane ticket. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. And we make money while we're there. And we get to meet really inspiring people. And it's beautiful. Right, wow, so, that sounds great. I want to go to Japan. It's Never beautiful. Never been. We're been talking about doing trips there yeah. but it always we get to come gee, with us next time man yeah. come with us next time just uh you know stay it would be like the real world it's like airbnb with like three stories seven rooms and like whoever gets there first it's so funny it's like the mtv show real world so we always say it's like i'm here it's first this room. is my room this is my room like we're all fighting over it but uh yeah, you should come with us. Oh, you want me there? Why not? It would be fun. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. I'd love to do that. When is it? Uh, we go every year in the fall. 
um, October 31st. Like as soon as the farm season I'll be, is I'll over. I'll be in Mexico City be in Mexico? this year, but maybe next year, cool. maybe this year. Yeah. But why don't we plug Mexico City? You can either go with you <laughs> to Japan or come to Mexico yeah. City for the Day of the Dead with us. And, oh, and fun! Do you know, you know David Briggs from Chocolato. Yeah. De, de David. De David. Yeah. I can never get that all right. It's all the, cool. But um, and Catherine Mantarola. So That's we're going to really be there cool. while you're in Japan. How fun! But I want to go with you sometime. Yeah. Actually, I think we are going to skip next year and do Italy. Seed the plates for Italy. So I think we are taking a little break from Japan for one year. So oh. you have time. So maybe 2019. Yeah. Well, we're going to be in Italy too. You do yeah. Sicily at all? Yeah. So we're going all over the place, and it's with the Culinary Breeding Network. Um, and we're still choosing our team. So nice. we're really excited. Uh, we for sure have Fiddlehead Farmers coming with us. They're great. And, uh, but still choosing the chef and yeah, we'll see. Well, let's we'll stay in touch. We will. And I need to, I said it two years ago. I haven't been out there. Yeah. Your place. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Well, well my only excuse is I, in Manzanita, so I have to I hear that. plan that. So Okay. Well, we do. Um, I'm not there all the time. I'm in Portland a few days a week. Perfect. So I can make that happen. You can come by and see me or when spring comes, you know, when it's nice weather, come out for a brunch or supper. We'd love to have you. All right. Well, the My next treat. best thing is having you here. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's our treat. <laughs> thank you. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. Unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. <laughs>